Uh, we are in the middle of our church-defined um, series where we are digging into the DNA of Blessed Hope Community Church. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I still am so excited um, about our merger together. Uh, and as we, as we dive deep into what the church is about, uh, what Blessed Hope Community Church is about, we get to explore some of these things. And so here's, this is week three. We've, we've gone through a couple. Um, this is the purpose of the church. We talked about this week one of the series. Very simply, this church exists to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why God has us here. That's why Blessed Hope Community Church exists in Vinton and Benton County because there are hurting people and God has given us the very specific mission, the purpose, unmistakably, to bring them the hope of Jesus Christ because it is only the hope of Jesus Christ that offers them anything worthwhile. It is through Christ alone that salvation is found. And so um, we have this very specific purpose. And then last week, Pastor David um, talked to us about our first mission strategy. We have four mission strategies, and the mission strategies basically say this. If we are going to be serious about fulfilling our purpose, which is what? Hang on. It's all, no, I got you. I got you. If we're going to be serious about our purpose, which is? Man, you guys... Nailing it. <laughs> Bringing the good stuff. We exist, right? Why? To bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. That is what we are about. If we are going to do that well, then we've identified um, the, the elders, the leaders, we've identified, we've shared this, we've talked over these four mission strategies that if we do them well, and we teach others to do them well, and we continue to dig in to doing them well, knowing that we never finish, but that we're always growing. If we can dig in there, then guess what? God is going to grant us success in bringing a hurting world the hope of Jesus. And David talked to us last week, Pastor David talked to us last week about the first one, follow Jesus. It, it, it's, it shouldn't be, but in the church, in our culture, this is revolutionary. This should be so ridiculously basic that we shouldn't have to have a sermon on it. But yet what David found as he prepped, he told you this last week, as he prepped for this sermon, is it could have been a month worth of sermons. But this is so ridiculously basic that we shouldn't have to live here. But we have to live here because we, for some reason, think that we can make a decision to follow Jesus and then never have any other interaction with him, period. Or that we can follow Jesus and then disconnect from everything else. But following Jesus is a decision that you make and then it requires the obedience to follow through. And listen to me, you and I both know there are many of you here, myself included, if I was looking in the mirror, there are many of us here, and we make active daily decisions to go against Jesus Christ. And yet we say, hey, we're all in on Jesus. But, but Pastor David, uh, if, you, if you missed last week, check that out online, talk to us about the need to follow Jesus. If we follow Jesus well, then we're one step closer to making sure that we are consistently bringing a hurting world the hope of Jesus. 
And it goes deeper. If we're following Jesus well, then, oh, and you'll notice the icon for that is, is a compass. The icon for that is a compass, simply because, right, it's a reminder, yeah. The icon for that is a compass because we're, we're remembering that, that we, are, we are actively following. This is an endeavor. This isn't something that happens to us. This is something that we do. And we have a true north. And sometimes, sometimes, here's the thing. I'm going to say this, and I don't even know if it's true because I don't hike ever. I don't camp unless something has gone terribly wrong. But I'm imagining, I've seen enough movies to know that sometimes when you're trying to go one direction, there's a big mountain in front of you. And it's not always an easy trip. But if we're following Jesus, then we're following Jesus. And that might mean that we don't love where we're going. It might mean we wish there was an easier path. It might mean that we wish that we didn't have to say yes to godliness and no to ungodliness because darn it, ungodliness sometimes feels good. But if we're really following Jesus, if we're really following true north, then we go north, and it doesn't matter. And then today, the second mission strategy that we get to talk about is connecting to the church, okay? And uh, the icon for that is a plug, and it doesn't take a genius to say we want you to get, get this, you ready? Plugged in to the church, right? You're welcome. That was free. I did that for you. We want you to get plugged into the church. We want you to connect to the church. And, and, and here's what we're going to talk about today. And we're just going to, we're going to dig right in and, and we're going to go as fast as we can because there's a lot of ground to cover as we talk about what it means to connect to the church. But when we connect to the church, it means that you understand that you no longer exist for you. See, when you're following Jesus... Life all of a sudden stops being about you. When I decided to follow Jesus, all of a sudden, uh, Matt Hance was no longer the most important thing in um, my life. I sometimes forget that. But the reality is true that I'm, I'm not the most important thing. But yet, if I'm following Jesus, he has given me work to do and he's given me mission to do. And part of that is to connect to the church. Listen to me very carefully. You cannot, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it definitively and some of you are going to want to argue. Shut your lawyers down for a second. You got that internal legal team working on your behalf. Shut it down for just a second and hear what I'm going to say to you. And this isn't meant to poke at anybody. This is just the reality. Listen to me. You cannot say that you're serious about following Jesus if you're going to live in intentional sin. And you cannot say that you're serious about following Jesus if you are going to disconnect from the church. It can't be true. Can you be a Christian and not be part of the church? I suppose so. I suppose that's possible. Can you be an obedient, growing Christian that's not connected to the church? Absolutely not. You just can't. And any cursory look through the New Testament is going to point that out to you. And so we're going to see this as, as we dig into Scripture here, and we're going to, we're going to break this apart, um, and we'll jump right in. Uh, by the way, some of you, some of you are thinking um, that my statement is too strong. When I say you can't be a growing, maturing Christian that doesn't plug into church, you're like, well, Matt, you don't get to tell me that. I can grow, and I can mature at home. I've got the internet, right? I can listen to podcasts, right? Joel Olstein is always on TV, 
okay? I'm good. No, listen, man, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Right? So work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. This is what you're called to do, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to, to obey God with deep reverence and fear. And what God is calling you to do is connect to the community of the church. That's not me posturing. That's not me saying it's good for Matt when you show up at church, so come to church. The New Testament is going to lay this out very clearly for you, that for you to grow as a disciple of Christ, for you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for you to show the results of the salvation that God has given you when you decided to follow him, then you need to connect to the community of the church. And we're going to see that here. Look at Acts 2.42. We know this one. We know it well. This is the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals. And that includes the Lord's Supper, but not limited to the Lord's Supper and um, to prayer. And so there's a couple things that we need to understand there. First off, they were devoted. All of the believers were devoted. Now, there, there's, there's something there. Luke wrote this um, under the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so there's something I need you to understand. There's something I need you to know. Is it possible that there were people around the believers that Luke wasn't counting as believers? See, because what he's saying here is all of the believers devoted themselves. Devotion is a strong word. And I, I would venture to say that out of the, the 200 of you, or whatever it is that are here, we're not all devoted. There are probably a few of us here, we like Jesus. We like what he says about forgiveness. We like, we like his messages on grace. You know, we, we, we like how he says um, that heaven is real, right? We like those cool things he says about doing to others and, and, and let the children come to me and all of that. We love that stuff. That's all good. But, but there are some of us here who, while we like Jesus and we like some of the things that Jesus says, we are not wholly devoted to Jesus, because if we were wholly devoted to Jesus, some things in our lives would look different. And David did such a great job talking about what it means to follow Jesus last week. And, and, and here's the connection I want to make for you, that all of the believers devoted themselves. If they were truly believers, they were truly devoted. See, this, Luke doesn't hedge this bet here. He doesn't say some of them come in soft, but we hope they'll, they'll get deeper as time goes on. See, that's, that's a, a holy American cultural thing. We're like, well, you know what? You just dip your toes in the water. You come to church every now and then, right? Show up once a month. Show up, show up once a quarter, do what, do what you got to do. Dip your toes in, and, and, and when, when you've got enough time, because I know you're busy, but when you've got enough time, you come dip your toes in the church, and, and you will, eventually, you'll start to feel it, and eventually, you'll get more serious, and eventually, you'll start to get plugged in, and, and, and Luke writes this under the power of the Holy Spirit that that's just nonsense, that he says, you know what? If you're a believer, you were devoted. That's it. 
There is no middle ground here. If you are a believer, you are devoted. All of the believers were devoted. They were devoted to Jesus Christ. They weren't fans of his. They were followers of his. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So there's a couple things that I want us to focus on there. One, connection to the church requires commitment to teaching. If you are going to be connected to the church, then you must be committed to the teaching of the church. If I could be blunt, you can't be connected and committed to the teaching of the church if you refuse to be at church on a regular basis. And you can't be connected and committed to the teaching of the church if you decide there are certain things you don't have to obey. Jesus says pretty clearly, do these, don't do these. His apostles tell us pretty clearly in scripture, do this, don't do this, right? Live this way, fight against these urges, live in a way that honors God, pursue holiness, put unholiness in your rear view mirror in your rear view mirror that was this the word mirror right clothe yourself with humility be a disciple of christ and and, and when we, we read those things right if we understand them well then what we understand is that this is the commitment that we are making to the gospel this is what we are all about and we are if we're connecting to the church right if we're fully devoted and we're connecting to the church that requires a commitment to the teaching of the church i'm not talking a commitment to matt's opinions i'm not talking about a commitment to david's opinions i have some opinions um, on some things that you don't need to be committed to right Right? Let's talk baseball anytime. Let's talk sports. Let's talk all kinds of things. You don't have to be committed to my understanding, but, but committed to the teaching of the church that is rooted in truth, that is grounded in scripture. In fact, this is, by the way, this is one of those ways that we can, can figure out, is a church worth going to? Does what they bring me on a Sunday morning to the groups that they offer, the things, the classes, the other things, are they rooted somehow in the truth of God's word? But the early disciples, the early followers, the early believers were committed to the teaching of the church. And the teaching of the church is hard. The teaching of the church says, confess your sins to one another. The teaching of the church says, Stop watching pornography. The teaching of the church says, stop living with your significant other. The teaching of the church says, pursue sexual purity. The teaching of the church says, forgive people when they hurt you. I don't care if you feel like it, you do it. The teaching of the church says, you pour yourself out on behalf of other people. The teaching of the church says, you could give up your own life and that would be to your benefit when you do it in service to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are going to be committed to following Jesus and you are going to commit to the community here at the church, then you're going to have to commit to the teaching. And that's look in the mirror time for all of us. Do we believe what God's word says? Okay, we keep going. 
Um, and not only do we uh, commit to the teaching, we have to commit um, to do life-on-life -life discipleship. Let me, let me read it again for you here. It's not only um, did they commit uh, to the teaching of the church, they committed to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And, and all of that implies deeper and deeper commitment and connection with one another. You cannot be committed to being part of the church if you are going to live here in isolation. And some of you, this is your connection to the church. Your connection to the church is I'm going to show up on a Sunday morning and I'm going to leave right after and then I'm going to have nothing else to do with the church until next Sunday morning. But that's not the way that God writes this out. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, what God is telling us here, look, if you want to be connected, if you want to follow God, this is about following God. If you want to follow God, if you want to follow Jesus, then you will commit yourself, be devoted to the teaching of the church, and you will be devoted to one another. How do I know you'll be devoted to one another? Because this is what it looks like. To fellowship, to spending time together, building relationships, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, but not all about communion. This is just about breaking bread together. This is just about being together and about prayer for one another. We aren't supposed to do this alone. But when I say you're not supposed to do life alone, Christian, I'm not telling you a good idea. I'm telling you what God is commanding you in Scripture. That's why Blessed Hope Community Church is a church of groups. That's why we plug into groups. That's why we encourage you to be part of a group. Small groups, community groups, classes, whatever it is, but to plug in in groups. Why? Because it's a biblical mandate that we do life-on-life -life discipleship with one another. Some of you have dug your heels in so much, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to be at church on Sunday, but that's all you get from me. I'm like, that, that, that's okay with me, but I promise you it's not with God. Because he writes it here. This is what he tells us. And some of you are like, well, but that's a church. That's not a small group. Let me, let me read you verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Some of you are like, well, the church is too big for that kind of church. It's too big for devoting ourselves to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The church is too big for that. This church added 3,000 people in one day. Trust me when I tell you, this wasn't happening in a 3,000-person sanctuary. This was happening in groups and in homes across Jerusalem. This is God's model for how church works. If you want to connect to the church because you are following Jesus, then you are going to dig into the life of the church. That's how this has to work, right? I promise you, 3,000 people weren't all breaking bread together and taking communion together and praying together and for one another. No, no, there, there were pockets of relationships that happened inside this church. It's critical. It's necessary. This is the way this works. And it's, it's mapped out for us. We can't get around it. And so there's a couple things I want to show you here. There's a model. Um, so Blessed Hope Originals, I can't wait to the day when we can stop referring to like Revolution Originals or Blessed Hope Originals, and it's just one big shared experience for us. But Blessed Hope Originals, we struggled with this. If you remember, about five-ish years ago, we started to make a shift from a familiar church 
to a strategic church. And this has been a five-year-long struggle for some of us. Some of us got there more quickly. Some of us have, have wrestled. Um, Revolution original folks, you guys just got thrown into the deep end of this, right? So you didn't get five years to struggle. Welcome to the struggle. We're doing it together. But what we picture church sometimes is that it's a familiar church. We're in that one circle of the church. Everybody is familiar with and knows everybody else. And we assume that's biblical, that that's what the church is. But I just read to you in Acts 2, 3,000 were added to their numbers, and yet somehow they still figured out a way to fellowship with one another. They still figured out a way to break bread together, to get deeper levels of intimacy. So we're not just sharing meals, but now we're sharing the Lord's Supper together. And even deeper into that, where we're coming alongside each other in brokenness and prayer. And guys, we need to come alongside each other in brokenness and prayer. And that happens when we dig deep in relationships. At Blessed Hope Community Church, one of the ways that we care for each other so well is we do that through our groups. Our small groups or our, our, our ministry teams or classes or community groups, when there's a need and a hurt, they come alongside one another. That's the model for this. But we need to, we need to understand that churches is, is, is different than everybody knowing everybody else. That, listen to me. Here's why. We cannot effectively be about sharing the gospel with people that need to know the gospel and encouraging them to enter into a relationship with the church because that's what they're supposed to do. That's a biblical mandate to be plugged in and a, a, a functioning part of the church. We can't say we're going to take seriously the call to have people get plugged into the ministry of the church and then say, but you can't come here because we don't need any more people because then we won't all know each other. Because that's what we would be saying. Right? Like, like, you know what? You need Jesus. You need to plug into the ministry of the church. A different church. Like, not this church. Because we don't have room for you. Doesn't make sense. Listen, that's why we'll be looking to two services in September. Because when we ask people to connect to... Some of you, hopefully, that wasn't the first time you heard that. We've been talking about that. We'll continue talking about that. But that's why we'll be looking at multiple services in September. Some of you are like, wait a minute, I won't know everybody then. You don't know everybody now because you always come and you always sit over there and they always come and they always sit over here and you'll see them on the street and you're like, hey, you should come to my church. And they're like, great, what church do you go to? Like I go to Blessed Hope Community Church. And they're like, me too, for years. You don't know everybody now? Come on. Right? But, but as we do our job of bringing a hurting world the hope of Jesus and getting people to commit wholeheartedly to following Jesus and everything that means, that means they will connect to the church. That means that we have to embrace this idea of being strategic. There's a couple things that means. We'll talk more about this later on. Okay? But it means that, one, um, not everyone is going to know everyone. But everyone will know the purpose of the church. And everyone will be sold out for the purpose of the church, which is to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. We will be united under that banner. And it also means we make changes a little bit differently. We're not, we're not waiting for everyone to agree. It's impossible. You ever try to order pizza? Listen to me. I, I went home for a Cubs game. Um, not yesterday's. Yesterday's was atrocious. But I went home on Thursday for opening day, went to my folks' house, and Aubrey and Travis were there, and my brother and sister-in-law and, and, and their son were there, and 
uh, mom and dad, and we're watching the game, and it's time to order pizza because my kids were hungry, right? They wanted pizza, and they wanted it now. And so it's like, well, what are we going to order? And somebody wanted white sauce with pepperoni. And somebody wanted pepperoni with red sauce. And somebody wanted, wanted sausage, but they wanted mushrooms. And somebody else doesn't want anything to do with mushrooms anywhere near their pizza. And so, like, like there were seven of us, and we could not figure out how to order pizza because we couldn't all agree on a topping, right? Well, listen, man, that ship has sailed where we are all in agreement when we make decisions. When we connect to the church, though, we're connecting to the mission. And change happens when the mission demands it. Because there is nothing more important than the mission. Like David said, like we prayed this morning before church started. By the way, you're like, man, they have secret prayer every morning before church. No, we have public prayer every morning before church. At 8.30, come join us. You're always invited. 8.30, we come and we pray together for the service and for the community. You're always welcome, right? But change happens when the mission demands it because we play for the, the team on the front of the jersey. There is nothing more critical than the mission because the mission is all about the hope of Jesus right? And listen, I love you, and I want to care for you, and I'm going to do my best to care for you, and Pastor David is going to do his best to care for you, but, but intimate care and prayer happens more quickly in the groups that you're a part of. We'll visit you, and we'll pray for you, absolutely, right? Um, one, we need to know. Call us, tell us, right? Ask us. Two, though, in your groups, though, more quickly. Like, I, I, you've got people coming around you and laying hands on you and praying for one another. It's part of the value of groups. We've had, um, I think, I, I counted four deaths in this last week that have happened in, in our congregation. Not people in our congregation, family members. Um, you know, three of them were kind of to be expected. One of them was completely unexpected and tragic, but, but we're never ready for those things. We've had four of those in the last week. Well, guess what, church? When you're connected to groups, when you're connected to people, that's where we come alongside for each other to provide, okay? That, that's how this works. Okay, so here's the deal. That's a lot of information, and um, I went through it pretty quickly. Um, we, could, we could spend months talking about why it is that we need to connect to the church, but because I know you, um, and because I know me, um, I know you've got objections. And so quickly, what I want to do is deal with four objections that I know that you're carrying. And, and even because you're nice and because you're kind, you're not going to throw it out there. You're not going to say, but Matt, what about? Uh, but you're thinking it, right? And, and, and if I know you, you're going to go home and some of you are going to live in that objection. So let's just deal with them now. Okay, objections to, to connecting with the church. One of them is this. I'm busy. I'm already a Christian, and I'm busy. Why do I need to connect to the church? Well, one, it's a biblical command, but, but let's dig into that a little bit. You need to connect to the church. I'm going to say this. It's going to sound cheesy. Will you forgive me for sounding cheesy? It's where the magic happens. Right? I mean, is, can I say that? Is that, is that kosher? Okay. Um, you're like, we don't care if it's kosher. We're not Jewish. It doesn't matter. Um, here's the deal. When we connect to the church, that's where the magic happens. It's where we're challenged. It's where we start to grow. It's where we start to serve one another. 
It's where we start to plug in. See, what happens is this, and we live, and listen, I get it. I get where you're coming from because we live in a consumeristic society. You want to have it your way, right? You want there to be a helpful smile in every aisle. And uh, what does Fairway have? Long lines. They will take your groceries out for you, though, whether you want them to or not. You are not allowed to take that card out of the store on your own. I tried once. I got talked to. Um, but, but here's the thing, right? We're used to getting everything that we want because we're used to it being about us, right? We're used to everything. I love, we did a podcast on the purpose of the church and, and Pastor David talked about it this way, or maybe it was Pastor Vince, some pastor that works here talked about it this way, that, that it's, it's like we're used to going out to a restaurant, Right? And that we view church sometimes as a restaurant where we come, we sit, and we wait to be served. Right? And and you know what? My meal's not hot enough. I send it back. They bring me something else. I look at the menu. I choose exactly what I want, and I ask for that. Right? Where, Where if the service is good enough, I tip. And if it's not, then they get nothing from me. Right? Where somebody else comes and they take care of my dirty dishes. They clean up the mess for me. We're used to this kind of a thing, right? And so what happens is we bring that into the church and we're like, you know what? I can be a Christian without connecting to the church. I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want any of that other mess. And so we try to connect to Jesus without connecting to the church, but it doesn't work because that's not the way he designed it to work. And so we settle for this half-hearted fake kind of a Christianity where we think we're okay, but guys, I worry that we're not. I worry that, that, that if we are not fully engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are not fully engaged with bringing um, his message to a hurting world, and we are not fully engaged with uh, engaging with his church, I mean, he is the, the head of the church. And we're like, well, Jesus, we love you, but we want nothing to do with your body. The church is the bride of Christ. We're like, we love you. We don't want to marry you. We don't, we don't want to be that connected to you. It just Guys, this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And, and, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid that there are so many of us that are just lying to ourselves. And we're sure we're good. We're sure we're good. But we're going to have to answer on that day. And is he going to say, you know, um, come into my presence, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, depart from me, because I don't know you. But, but we got to connect to the church, and we're like, but I can be a Christian without that, and I am way too busy for that. I get it. You're busy. I'm busy. I mean, I have got like four or five seasons of some shows on my Netflix queue that I have got to get through. And baseball just started. You know they play 162 of those things, right? And it is the NCAA tournament. I got stuff to do. In his book, Letters to the Church, Francis Chan talks about how absurd it would be to read in the New Testament a conversation between Peter and Paul, right? And so he, he, he pictures how absurd this would be if Peter walked up to Paul and, and was like, hey, hey, where are you going to church these days? You know, and, and Paul was like, oh, I go to the river, right? I love their music. It really connects. And they've got a great children's program, you know, and, and Peter's like, well, you know what? Can I come check out your church? Because I'm just not getting much out of mine these days, right? It's just not doing it for me. 
You know, and Paul's like, yeah, sure, you can come check out my church. Not next week, though, because Matthew has a soccer game, so it'll have to be the week after. How absurd would that be? That's what we do. Right? And if it would be absurd to read about it in the New Testament, it is absurd to live it now. It doesn't work. I can be a Christian without that. I'm just too busy for that. You know what? You're not too busy. You've prioritized poorly. You've prioritized poorly. Luke tells us the story of Mary and Martha. Martha comes and says, Jesus, I wanted to sit at your feet, but I was too busy. Why why don't you make Mary help me? And Jesus has none of it. He's like, no, 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 Martha, knock it off. I didn't ask you to cook for me. I didn't ask you to serve the table. I didn't ask you for any of that. All I asked you to do was connect with me. You chose poorly. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's a command. Don't stop meeting together. Don't neglect it. Why? Because you need to motivate one another to good works. Why? Because that's how the magic happens. You encourage one another. You encourage one another to be who you're supposed to be. Next objection. I'm so messed up they don't want me. Do you know what I hate doing? I'm, I'm going to be blunt with you here. Let's, let's, David said something a couple of weeks ago, just, just taking off the mask. Let's just be open and honest with each other. Are you ready for this? I'm fat. We know it. You know who else knows it? The doctor. You know what I hate doing? I hate going to the doctor. Why? Because I've got, I think, the flu, or um, I've got some kind of strep infection, or um, walking pneumonia. Those are the things I usually get, and I hate going to the doctor for those things, right? It would be fine if I could go to the doctor for those things. I could go back and sit in a room, and she would check me out, and then she would say, yep, here's what you've got. Take the pills, or no, you're fine. Go home and just wait it out. Whatever. That would be awesome. I'd go to the doctor all the time for that, but you know what she makes me do? She makes me get on the scale, and I swear to you, as she writes it down, I can almost hear the Listen, we're all messed up. We're like, I'm messed up. They don't want me there. You listen, you're, you're out of shape. You're sick. You're in trouble. Guess where you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be at the doctor because the doctor is for you when you're sick and messed up and in trouble. Your soul is hurt. You're broken. You're messy. Your life has fallen apart. Guess what? This is where you're supposed to be. Amen. There is no such person that is so jacked up that church is not for them. They don't exist. Look at this. Um, Jesus says this. uh, Everybody is getting, the Pharisees are getting angry at him because he's having dinner with sinners. And he's like, man, look, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call those who think, uh, I'm sorry, I've not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. This isn't Jesus telling us that, hey, some people don't need me because they're righteous. This is Jesus saying, hey, I'm not coming for the self-righteous. 
They don't think they need me. They don't think I can do anything for them. But the people that are so broken that they know they're so broken, those are the ones I came for because they know they need a savior. Listen to me. Jesus says that he is here for sinning, broken people. If you think you are too messed up for church, then you don't know how messed up I am. And, and regular church folks, maybe that's something we need to work on. Maybe if we stop pretending that we had it all together and we stopped looking sideways at people that know they don't, maybe they'd feel more comfortable. But man, listen, church, messed up people, church is for, at least this church, this church is for you. I don't know what other churches do and I can't speak for them. But if Jesus is for you and he came to call the sinners, those that know they're sick, and if he's for you, then we are for you. Third objection, I've been hurt before and I don't want to risk it. I took Aubrey to an express care place once, only once. I don't want to go back. She was sick. It was a Saturday. What are you going to do, right? My doctor's closed. I thought she had an infection. We were supposed to be going out of town. I'm like, she needs whatever. So, so we, we went and she did. She had strep throat. She needed, I, I owe you five bucks. Good call. It was a new agreement we made. I will pay you five dollars. Um, I'm going to charge you for your lunch, but whatever. Um, so, no, I, that's not fair. We went to the express care place. It was the worst experience of my life. You know why? There were a bunch of sick people there. I was healthy, sitting in a room with a bunch of sick people who were coughing and throwing up, and it was it was no good. I didn't like it. But honestly, who did I expect to be there? You're like, I've been hurt by church people. Of course you've been hurt by church people. It shouldn't take a genius to figure this out. The church is for hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. So it makes sense that you've been hurt. Get, I'm sorry, this, get over yourself. I've been offended by somebody at church. Of course you have. Because offensive people come to church. They're supposed to. Come on. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's not a good idea. It's a command. Make allowances for each other's faults. Listen to me. I'm, I, I can count. I was going to say I can't count, but it's only been five years. And so if I couldn't count, it would be way too many. But I can count at least five times. That's at least once a year that I've had to come up here and sit right here and say to you, hey, look, I'm sorry about something. I came across harsh or I said something I didn't mean to or I, I, I was wrong in some way. Like, like at least once a year, we have to have this sit down conversation where I have to say, look, man, I made a mistake. Okay, and we will continue to have those. Make allowances for my faults because I've got many and I will work hard to make allowances for yours because I am broken and I am trying to get better and you are broken and I pray that you are trying to get better as you connect to the church. This is the way that it works. The Lord forgave me, so I'm going to work hard to forgive you. And the Lord forgave you, and I pray that you will work hard to forgive me. Last objection. 
The church just wants to judge and control me, and I'm not going to let them. You're kind of right, but you're way wrong. The church is, is not interested in judging and controlling you. But what the church is interested in is helping you grow up. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We work really hard at Blessed Hope Community Church not to preach a morality-based gospel. There are some churches that will do that. Some of you might be here thinking that that's the way that it works, that if you show up at church every now and then and you try to be good, that God will accept you. This is not a church that will ever preach a morality-based gospel, right? We are saved by Jesus alone. We are saved by grace alone. We are saved by faith alone. We are saved by Jesus' blood. Nothing else will redeem you. That's it. Plain and simple. If you were trusting in something else, you're trusting in the wrong thing. You need to knock that off. But when you come to Christ, he loves you. He accepts you just as you are. And then he says, hey, now it's time for you to be sanctified. It's time for you to grow. Pastor David is going to preach to us about our third mission strategy, which is growth next week. But listen, some of you, you're like, I don't want to connect to the church because they're going to hurt my feelings and tell me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, we are. Because guess what? You're doing it wrong. And it's our job to tell you that you're doing it wrong. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And guess what? Sometimes when you're sharpening, there is friction. And it doesn't feel great. But the church is not in business to tell you what to do or to control you. The church is in business to grow disciples of Jesus Christ that are more and more like their Savior every day. Sometimes that means we have to call things what they are, and we have to confront things when they happen, and we have to sharpen and sharpen sometimes causes sparks and friction. But this is part of it. Okay, that was a quick run-through of what could have been multiple months' worth of sermons because we need to dig into this, right? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to end today by just doing this one unifying thing. We're going to take communion together. And we've talked about this before. The communion table here at, at Blessed Hope Community Church is open. What that means is you do not need to be a member of the church to participate in communion. But also what it means is this. You do need to be someone that is committed to Jesus Christ. And this is our opportunity to bind ourselves together in unity. If you are committed to following Jesus, now listen, this is not Matt saying something that should offend you. This is Matt telling you what is honest to goodness, New Testament, biblical truth. If you are committed to following Jesus, you ought to be committed to the church. I'm not saying this church. I hope it's this church. You're here. I hope you are committed to this church, but you must be committed to a church. A church that will tell you true things, a church that will preach to you from the word, a church that will focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so this is a unifying moment for us. As we come and take communion, what you're saying is, um, I am committed to following Jesus, and that means I'm committed to his church. And if you consider Blessed Hope to be your home church, then that means what you're saying when you take communion with us is I'm committed to being and digging in here. And if you are visiting from another church, as you take communion with us, what you're saying is I am committed to digging in there. But no strings, no reserves, but following Jesus means that I commit to the church and I dig in. And if some of you, some of you might need to take this moment to confess. So we're gonna have an opportunity to do that privately in your own heart. Might need to take this moment to confess. If there is something between you and God, um, then before we come together in unity, make your confessions. Do your business with God. Yeah, ask the elders, um, Pastor David, to come forward, prepare to serve communion. Ask the praise team to come up, and, and, and they'll, they'll play a string. The way we do communion is we come, and, and we take the elements, and we go back and sit down. And then as we have them, um, we'll, we'll pray together, and we'll all um, enjoy um, communion together. We didn't see it, Ben. He, he tripped. I needed to tell them because they didn't all see it. Um, we do communion as simply as we can. We understand it the way that it was taught in the New Testament. There's not a lot of pomp and not a lot of circumstance involved with this. But this is something that Jesus brought to the group and he said, look, collectively, do this together. As you do this, be unified in sacrifice that he was about to make, be unified in the new covenant that he instituted, be unified in the sermon that we preach. When we take communion, we preach a sermon that says, hey, this is real and he's coming back. Okay? And so we do it the way they did it, right? As simply as we can. We don't make a lot of, uh, a lot of fanfare with it. We just simply take the bread. Jesus passed it. He broke it. He passed it. He said, eat this as you do. It's my body broken for you. Um, foreshadowing what was about to happen on the cross. He said, eat this and remember me. And then he took the cup and, and he passed it and he said, drink this. This is, this is the new covenant that's found in my blood. And so as we eat, we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. As we drink, we're remembering that his blood ushered in and sealed in us this new covenant so that we could be made children of God. It unifies us with God through Christ, and by doing it together, it unifies us together as his church. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. We thank you for the way that you've loved us. We thank you for the way that you've provided for us. We thank you that you poured yourself out on the cross that you laid your life down so that we could be called children of God most high. And Father, we praise you and celebrate that you rose from the grave, that you picked your life up again, and that you conquered death once and for all, so that those of us that are in you are not only forgiven of our sinfulness, but we are promised an eternity where we cheat death.
because the penalty for our sin has been satisfied. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your sacrifice and we thank you for your provision. Amen.